0: From the Financial Times in London, I'm Barney Thompson, Deputy UK News Editor, and this is FT News. Three years ago, the FT went to three towns in Britain to look at the likely impact of the government's cuts to welfare. We tried to predict how much money people stood to lose and what, if anything, they could do about it. Was the government right? Would a tougher approach to welfare get more people into the job centres? Or would the changes only increase the pain for the most vulnerable? With me to discuss our austerity audit part two are Sarah Neville, the FT's public policy editor, and John Murray-Brown, one of the correspondents we sent out into the field to gauge the effects of the welfare reforms. Sarah, just remind us very quickly what the government did and why it did it.
1: The real sort of guiding principle behind most of what the government did was a determination that as many people as possible should move off the benefit rolls and into work. They thought by time limiting some benefits and restricting the generosity of them that people would have a much sharper imperative to get off the dole and get back into the job centre and hopefully from there into actual employment.
0: So take us back to 2013 when we first commissioned our research and we dispatched our troops to Blackpool, Guildford and Merthyr Tidville. What did the research predict and what actually came to pass?
1: Well, the big numbers that we were predicting three years ago, which was that about 18 billion would be taken out of welfare, that actually hasn't come to pass. In fact, significantly less than that has been cut from the benefit bill, about 2.5 billion less. And the main reason for that is that several of the benefit changes didn't deliver The amount of money that the government had been expecting, because in particular, attempts to get disabled people and sick people off what's known as incapacity benefit didn't prove nearly as effective as ministers had hoped. And that, I think, is the real sort of policy failure, if one wants to look at it that way, of these last three years of welfare reform And it's certainly an issue that the government is thoroughly determined to get to grips with in the next few years.
0: Well, I was going to say now we're braced for round two and that will take us up to the end of 2020. And our research this time has found some clear winners and losers. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I think the significant thing this time is that particular household types are going to be impacted more than others In particular, families with more children, larger families, and that's classified as families with three or more children, are losing out from some of the welfare benefits that will now be restricted to only two children. And the other big group that's being affected is tenants who live in the social rented sector, And it's really quite striking how much more they're going to lose on average than people who own their own homes. So there is a clear divide in terms of household type, but it's not just that. There's also a clear geographic divide, which is actually broadly very similar to the pattern that we saw three years ago. And that's that the areas badly affected are the former industrial areas, the less prosperous seaside towns and some London boroughs.
0: John, you went to one of those former industrial areas, you went to Merthyr Tidville, where the proportion of the uh, potential workforce on some form of disability or sickness benefit is among the highest in Britain. And the forecast was for gloom and doom. You were there three years ago and you went back. Did you find a town that had suffered, one that was under the cosh?
2: No, I'd say it's fared moderately well. I mean, it's still an unemployment black spot, but the unemployment rate has come down and also the employment rate has improved quite substantially. Now, whether this is linked directly with government policy is is difficult to uh, judge, but I would say on balance that the town is in a more sort of buoyant frame of mind than it was three years ago.
0: So the government could argue that to some degree at least its reforms had the intended impact. It got some of those people who've been languishing on benefits through the doors of the job centre and looking for some sort of employment.
2: Well, on the basis of the research we've done, I think the measure was one in five of the people who underwent this new test, uh, the work capability test, which is more rigorous to assess whether people were real claimants deserving of support from the government in terms of incapacity benefit. And, as I say, one in five of those were shown to be fit for work. Now, how many of those ended up taking a job, it's not known. But given that the employment rate has picked up quite significantly and unemployment is coming down, it's a fair conclusion that some of those ended up in employment.
0: And Sarah, you went to Blackpool for the Seaside Towns part of this. What was the mood like there?
1: Well, I was very struck actually by a sort of sense that, as one of the people I interviewed said to me, there had been no Armageddon moment. When I went three years ago, the predictions really were almost apocalyptic. The local council genuinely worried that hundreds of people were going to descend, requiring cash handouts to cope with the loss of their benefit. But one of the things that I thought was particularly striking was that at the local credit union, which is a sort of mutual into which lower-income people pay money and those contributions are then pooled and loans are handed out, that three years ago they told me that people often spent really substantial amounts on online gambling so that they would look at their bank statements and they'd see that they'd been paying all this money out during the month and, as a result, were unable to pay certain crucial bills. But this time round, when I asked them about that, they were genuinely taken aback and said that they hadn't seen any such thing for a long time So it seemed to me that there was something to gladden the heart of ministers. That behaviour really has changed among some of the benefit claimants.
0: So, so far, it looks like from what you're telling me that the country is at least weathering the impact of these welfare cuts. But the question for both of you is, are they going to be able to handle even deeper cuts? John, what was your impression?
2: I would say it will be difficult because during the first phase, the Welsh government was very instrumental in supporting local councils. Their budgets were protected and the knock-on effect of that was that things like council tax benefit was not cut as harshly as it was in England. And so if council budgets are cut further, as they will be, I think the knock-on effect of that on local communities will be considerable and make it more difficult to weather some of the changes coming down the road.
0: So do you think that's going to be the picture across the country?
1: Well, I think the overarching story of the years of coalition government is actually that none of the austerity cuts have had anything like the impact that many people had feared. I mean, public services by and large have kept going. There have been big cuts in some crucial services like care for the elderly, but broadly services have been maintained and public satisfaction levels astonishingly have even risen in some areas So I wouldn't like to bet on Blackpool not being able to survive another round of cuts.
0: But presumably it hasn't all been plain sailing.
1: No, definitely not. The one thing I would say is that they have a large number of people who live in the social rented sector. And as I mentioned earlier, that's one of the groups that's going to be particularly impacted. The people in Blackpool had seen signs of a population who have been struggling more with their finances. The credit union had seen a rise in loan delinquencies and indeed in people saying that they could no longer afford to maintain their membership of the credit union at all and that creates the possibility of course of significant numbers of people without a safety net for any emergency that does come along and the council told me that food banks had continued. That's places where people literally go to get free food So there had been signs of a sort of growing precariousness amongst the benefit-dependent population. I wouldn't want to minimise that, but overall it seemed to me the message was, slightly to Blackpool's surprise, it had actually coped so far with the cuts.
0: Sarah Neville, John Murray Brown, thank you both very much. You can find our reporting from both 2013 and 2016, along with our interactive heat map of the impact of the welfare reforms across Britain, at wwwftcom reform. The research was carried out by Sheffield Hallam University with the support of the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.